Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Agorcom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives about what's going on in the companies. With us today, happy to have him again, Paul Gezi, CEO of Control Energy, trades on the CSC and the stock symbol KNR, and for our friends in the US, KNRLF, and for our friends in Europe, 1K8 on Frankfurt. Now, for those who are new to the story, that's going to be some of you because Control Energy keeps bringing on a new audience. And for the benefit of those who are at home, look, Control is a great small cap company because they got two great divisions, if you want to call it, or two great separate segments of the business. One is the smart building side. They're the Google Nest uh, you know, of smart home technology as far as the small cap world goes. Uh, they've got established blue chip customers there, Oxford Properties, Brookfield Asset Management, Beyond Meat, Telus, you name it. Uh, revenues for the first nine months of this year up till September 30th, a solid $8.1 million, doing great. But most of you are here, most of you know about the company because of their BioCloud product, which is a real-time analyzer. Uh, it's designed to detect airborne viruses, including COVID-19, uh, by continuously sampling air quality, triggering a silent cloud-based alert to facility managers. Uh, it's basically for spaces where individuals gather, classrooms, retirement homes, hospitals, mass transit, so on and so forth. Uh, on the way to commercialization, patents have been filed, manufacturing is in, in, uh, has been established, uh, federal funding come in, half a million dollars came in in December, Distribu distribution agreements in place. So there's a lot going on, we wanna catch up. Paul, welcome back, happy new year, how are you? Hey George, happy new year, how are you? Really good, glad to have you back on because last time we saw you was right before December, before your uh, event, your investor media event, that went great. Yeah, yeah. Before we go into BioCloud, because it does dominate so much of control, I don't want to forget about the fact that there is a core revenue generating business already in place to the company. So, and we haven't talked about it in a while. How is the smart building side of the company going? And then we'll get into the BioCloud side, but how's that, how's that core part of the business going? Yeah, for sure. So look, um, we were hit last year with the kind of the COVID effect of uh, lockdowns and, and what that created was we couldn't get to site. A lot of companies that do CapEx, you know, felt that pain, but if you look at it from an annual perspective, uh, we're down slightly over uh, prior year, which means we did a really good job on the revenue side. The cost side was, uh, you know, great work by our team to keep costs in check. Uh, we're EBIT positive. We don't have to raise money for the business. And now what we're seeing is a lot of that CapEx that was deferred because of COVID is now coming back into the business. And so, you know, customers can only defer CapEx uh, in our space so much. If you've got to upgrade your boiler and your chiller with new technology, with automation and software, every day you don't upgrade it is costing you money. You're, you're losing something. So yes, you can defer for a while, but we see that business picking up, which is very exciting. And we've also got a good service platform with recurring revenue, our software platform. So the smart buildings, what we call our core business is really going to be in a very healthy position in 2021. And BioCloud is really an extension of the existing air quality emission business, which is also part of our smart buildings platform. Right. So that's the segue, right? I mean, I'm glad. And to make sure everyone understands at home, the, the core smart building side is not a, uh, a feature. It's not a, it's not a cool thing to have. There's a definite ROI to that. And companies, you know, who couldn't, who couldn't uh, implement either upgrades or brand new solutions from you, they're dying to get in this year, especially considering the fact that a lot of them are also looking for ways to 
reduce costs and make up for their bottom line losses in 2020. Yeah. Uh, so look, if we, it doesn't only make sense. It's a great point. So if we think about, we we're spread across the multi-residential, which is basically the apartment sector, the commercial, you know, commercial buildings, industrial. So we have a pretty good pulse on what's happening on the economy and buildings. And so we have a good sense of what our customers are going through. So I would say the commercial sector is feeling a lot of pain right now. And why is that? Well, it's work from home. It's, it's yeah. remote working. Uh, and do we have to go back to the office? There's a lot of pain there. The multi-res is slightly different because the pain points there are different, but you know, multi-res is full. As we know, uh, the rental market's pretty tough. Uh, and in the GTA and also across Canada, it's not like multi-res is hurting. Their challenge is, you know, can everyone who's unemployed pay, pay their rent? That's a slightly different challenge. So what we're finding in general, the theme is this, if I can reduce my costs, if I can automate, if I can use less overhead, if I have less employees to run my buildings, I'm going to be in a better position, A, to cut costs, right, and survive this period that we're in, and also be more profitable when we turn the corner. So I think we're in a good spot because we're solving our customers' pain points, and we do it through an ROI. If, if our customer can't get their money back in three years on in investment, they typically don't do it, which, which basically means we're delivering a very high-value solution with a good return, um, which makes them motivated to do it, to cut costs, and also have a high, you know, fast payback. And that's one part about control that gives me a great deal of comfort. There's a core solid business, you know, solid revenue, solid customer base that gives you the uh, time necessary, you know, the cushion necessary to make BioCloud succeed. So let's talk about that. And because that's what most people are waiting for uh, to talk about. I want to bring up something that's more my own initiative, but we put out a tweet, I don't know, 36 hours ago that got 12,000 views. Uh, and, and counting, right? And that related to a press release you put out on December 23rd. A lot, of, you know, a lot of people by December 23rd, for obvious reasons, were kind of checking out, right? right? Uh, so they may not have picked up on it. First of all, congratulations, a uh, $750,000 order. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's an example of, um, in our emission uh, business, work coming back that was deferred in March. Yeah. And so that came back in December. That's a great example of revenue we thought we were going to get earlier in the, re in the year, it's very high margin revenue. It's a great win. US customer, large facility, and we're shipping two BioCloud units as part of that package, uh, which gets us into the US with this particular customer who has many facilities. So I thought that win went a little bit under the radar. People didn't really understand that. And uh, for us, you know, to have one 750,000 revenue win with one customer with multiple facilities. It's a pretty big win for us. That's a huge win. For a small cap, that's a great win. And what I love about it is uh, this isn't a win where you're going to amortize and recognize this revenue over a 12-month period, which, which is fine on an annual basis. But it's nice to see that you're anticipating most, if not all of that, to be recorded in Q1 right here, January, February, March. It's, it's mostly Q1. Then there's a maintenance package that goes right. with it. Every time we do an install, we try and build up a service maintenance plan, software monitoring to grow that recurring revenue to attach that to a project. Well, I was going to ask you about my tweet, but since you since yeah. you mentioned the fact that two BioCloud units went with this yeah. to a customer that could potentially uh, take on a lot more. So I'm assuming they, def they definitely want to run BioCloud through its own paces. You know, what is what what potential does a company just like that one alone have in terms of if they really liked it? you know, how, how could that expand from two to 20, two to hundred? What does that look like potentially? Yeah, so the, these are like huge facilities that, you know, hundred thousand plus, uh, hundreds of thousands of square feet. 
multiple locations, uh, you know, a well-known customer with global operations. And just another example of a customer in our client base showing an interest in our core product and an interest in BioCloud, extending that to, you know, a new technology. We're already there. And the sales pitch for every customer right now is we're already in your facility, we're already in your building, take a look at BioCloud. And so those are, we're going through those paces right now. And so it's just an example of having a great customer base and what you can do when you innovate with the new technology. Yeah, and that's so powerful. Again, goes back to the core business being there. You're not just a COVID-19 you right. know, virus play or something like that. This is this is a complimentary business to what you're already doing. So right. Right. that's exciting. How long would you think it'll take, not just for this customer, typically, if you were to ship a couple of units to George Calm yeah, yeah. or this American company, how long do you typically think uh, a, a potential client will take to analyze to, to run a suit pace? 90 yes. days, 120 days. What does it typically look like? Yeah, I would say 30 to 45 days is reasonable. Wow, like that's fast, actually. Well, it gives a good sample, right? I mean, we're in, you know, we are in the crux of what I call the crux of the pandemic. You know, we can we can talk about vaccines and, and vaccine rollouts, um, but you know, most customers that we talk to are not feeling comfortable that the vaccine is a solution for the next nine months. Of course, long-term, you know, if you look at a year or two or three vaccines are critical to getting the economy back, but in between, and then, you know, what's the next pandemic next year or the year after? Um, and so, you know, we're kind of sitting in this interesting spot, right? And we talked about this earlier where the entire media focus has been vaccine. And I think in some ways that's hurt us, but in other ways, what you discover when you go through that process is, well, okay, now that we're here and we can see the rollout and, and we support vaccines, of course, but are there other technologies that can get the economy back to normal? And that's really the new conversation. So December was all vaccine. The new conversation in January is, is uh, can we get back to normal with office space, with workspace, you know, with transportation? And so we're part of those conversations and we're super excited about 2021. Yeah, look, I, th I think you'll agree, but I just, want, I just want to throw it out there anyway. So look, we all are happy that a vaccine is coming. There's no right. doubt about that. But uh, I just want you to confirm what I've been hearing. And I'm sure you've been hearing the same thing from my big real estate contacts, people I know all over North America, and, you know, who, who have massive facilities. The vaccine is not viewed as a panacea by any of them. First of all, just short term, and then you tell me if this is what you're hearing. Short term, it might take a year before enough people are vaccinated, enough time has gone through for it to really, really have an impact. Most of these facilities don't have another year. Right. They're already, you know, on one leg and they can't go through another year of people being afraid and at home. So they, they need to act faster. And the second thing I'm hearing is all of them, vaccine, COVID-19 doesn't matter. They want to future-proof their businesses because they're none of them, none of us, not just them, could go through this happen again three years from now, two years from now, six years from now. Hey, hopefully it'll never happen. But unfortunately, uh, that's an insurance. This is insurance policy everyone is going to take out now and make sure they can future future proof. Is that what you're hearing? That come saying, Paul, regardless yeah. of, of, of the vaccine, we need to future proof our facilities. Well, look, I think um, we live in a time of fast moving information. <laughs> And so I think let's separate the market narrative of the vaccine trade, right? That, that's totally separate because that was, you know, sell this and buy that. So outside of that, let's talk about the economy. You know, for about two or three weeks there, I think everyone was under the impression that, okay, if the vaccine's here, we're good. And, you know, we support vaccines, we support our government, we, we support the approach, but there's, there's a process of rolling things out. 
So if there's other technologies that can assist in creating safe spaces and getting the economy back to normal, if there's other technologies that can be a complement um, and not fight, not fighting the vaccine, that's what really we represent, along with, you know, contact tracing, rapid testing. Um, you know, you, you're not going to be able to test everyone going into every building every day through a rapid test. It's just impossible, right? And it's maybe you're not going to have everyone vaccinated in a certain amount of time. But what if you have all these things working together? Yeah, yeah. And so where the conversation is with control is not negative. It's all positive about um, how do we add new technologies to our current infrastructure? And so now that's short term. On the long term basis, you know, no one was expecting this COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. So the question is, what's the next one? You know, what does this mutate into? And can viral detection infrastructure be part of every building? So the conversations we're having now is we're getting calls from HVAC companies, property managers, asset owners, and it's about viral detection infrastructure, which is a new language, a new conversation, right? And so I'm going to be corny for a minute, but I come from the school of hard knocks. So during my, you know, paying for my own university, I used to work construction. And we would build these, you know, huge retaining walls. And I was a member of the crew, right? And everyone loved it when the wall was built. But 80% of the work was building the foundation, right? So if you have a lousy foundation, the wall doesn't look great. So what we've been doing here, the really hard works in September is building an amazing foundation for 2021. So what does that include? You know, it includes conversations with government. It includes some government funding. It includes uh, conversations with every ministry. It includes building a distributor network. These are not things you can do in a week or a month. They take a quarter, you know, it takes some time. But once that foundation is built, you have a, a path now to accelerate and move forward. So we feel without, and we never make revenue projections. We're not forecasting anything. I can just tell you how we feel about the conversations, the meetings, the distributors. We feel very bullish on this year and uh, we're excited about, you know, how we can help and how we can be part of the solution including vaccines, contact tracing, and all that wonderful stuff that we need to do to get back to normal, because that's what we all want. Yeah, and um, there's there's no doubt about the fact that BioCloud plays a role in that. And it's not an expensive uh, solution for, you know, Georgecom developments, uh, because it's $12,000 a unit, or at least that's what you've talked about publicly. But that's a 10-year amortization. It's not like I'm buying it and... And it's all I'm only going to have for one year. I'm going to have for ten years. So I'm spending twelve hundred dollars a year, effectively. Yeah. To have even if I have ten units, <clears throat> I'm spending twelve thousand dollars a year at the end of the day. How how I'm amortizing it. So uh, look, but, the conversations we're having, I would say that's not a major roadblock, right? Not at all. I wouldn't think so because some people only because we've seen that out there. Uh, that oh, twelve thousand dollars sounds yeah. expensive. It's not when you have a massive facility and you can amortize over ten years. It's nothing exactly. And so there's a couple things we're working on. One, if we say to a customer, "Look, if there's multiple units, you're immediately into discounts," because the idea for us is to get our manufacturing costs lower. Secondly, the cost of the detection chamber and reagent, we're working very hard to lower that. And what that means is getting more global supply of the chemicals that create that reagent. So we're working very hard. We expect to lower that cost to make it the operating costs lower. And, the, and these are things that you do as you grow and mature your technology, right? And um, what's interesting is there's this kind of narrative that got created around control. And I don't know where it started, but it's really interesting that if this doesn't happen in three months, it's a fail. And that's, that's great. 
I'm, I'm just going to interject yeah. for a second. That's crazy, right? The fact okay. that you said earlier, no, we've been working hard for three months to build the foundation, to right. me, is incredibly fast. Right. It should take a year. Right. Well, we, I mean, if you really think about where we started, the really hard work was kind of that August to December where, you know, testing's coming out and you're really building, you're going for it, right? So uh, while it feels like four years, it's really been about four, four and a half months to build that foundation. And, and to me, our story is going to be a very long and mature story. This is just the beginning. Uh, you know, so things that we're working on that we don't want to talk about too much are other products. You know, where, where can, what can this morph into as, as a groundbreaking technology? And we're just at the beginning of it. So whatever that narrative is, however it was created, I don't know. It's not how we operate the business. And we're just super excited about the future and the conversations we're having. And that's going to translate into revenue uh, over time, which, you know, again, no forecast, no prediction. We're just building the business. And I think of this, you know, I'm the longest term shareholder here, right? And, and we started this at 15 cents. Look where we are today. I mean, that has me super excited. And I think about where we're going in the future. Uh, and and, you look, and for, for the largest shareholder, you look pretty relaxed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very bullish. But, you know, again, day to day in the Canadian public markets every day, and you and I joke about this, a day is like a week, a week is like a month, and a month is like a year. And that's just, it's the nature of the beast, right? Uh, it's the way information gets processed today. But the way you build a business is over, over quarters and years. So we're very comfortable with the foundation of where we're going. We're excited. And we want to create value for all of our shareholders, right? And, and have big wins. So that's really what we're focused on every day here. Yeah, and I think that's a win. Look, I've seen personally, I've seen some of that impatient talk in our Twitter streams a couple of times. We put out yeah. some about control. Most people love what we put out and they're really supportive of the company, but you occasionally get that person says, yeah. if they don't do it now, forget right. it. You know, it's like, right, right, well, right. I think you're thinking about the stock price. You want to see the stock price at a number yeah. you've got in your head right. and you want Paul to give that to you tomorrow. It doesn't right. work that way, right? So, that way. right. As, yeah. as someone who's had, you know, what, 400 small cap clients over time and I understand how business works, man, I'm going to tell everyone at home, I don't have to tell Paul this, but you guys at home who don't understand it, to build this, the product, government funding, manufacturing in place, distribution agreements start, and in this short a time, right. is diabolical, right. is, is unbelievable. So if you're impatient, you really need to understand how business really works. But with that foundation place, uh, and is it fair to say, Paul, is the foundation, I mean, you're always working the foundation, of course, uh, but is it mostly in place? And you think now 2021 is going to be the commercialization because I'm going to quote you in a press release in that press release December 23rd, the part that I picked out, the $750,000 order was amazing. And people saw that, but the part that I picked out and we're going to talk about this is that control anticipates that distributors were required to maintain a minimum of 250 unit sales per year to retain their non-exclusivity distributor pricing. And your internal goals have 30 regional distributors established by the end of Q1, which is March. Right, I think I think that went over the heads of a lot of people who didn't pick that out. I'm going to do some math, but before we get into that, how confident do you guys feel that you're going to have you know, that number or close to that number? Because that would be a tremendous number to have in place. And, yeah. So look, um, the way we look at it is, uh, you know, um, distributors don't want to distribute products they're not excited about, and why is that? Well, they want to make money. So. Uh, we feel very comfortable that we're going to reach our number of distributors, uh, you know, plus or minus. Uh, 
what we've said to each of those distributors that we sign on is if you can't meet this target, you're not going to get the preferred pricing, right? And the preferred pricing is how they make their money. So we're putting pressure on them, like most distributor arrangements. So I, I never want to forecast revenue or make a prediction. But what we're saying is if you can't meet that number, don't bother signing the agreement. Now, if a distributor sells 100 units, is that a failure? No. I mean, could they stay on? We could negotiate something, you know, maybe there's a less better pricing for them. But certainly what we want to create is, is a, a, an ecosystem of global distributors that are excited. Their customers are excited. And they're bringing us opportunities that we couldn't get to on our own. And, you know, distributors become de facto your global sales network. And you'd rather uh, go through distributors because it's cheaper. It's a, it's, it's essentially, it's, it's a success model. They don't get paid unless you get paid as opposed to right. control, having to invest two, $3 million to employ right. direct sales force around the world. Right. They don't right. know where that's going to end up. Yeah. So I think one thing that uh, investors have really missed, and um, it, it's probably because this is the nature of small caps is we're very frugal, right? We watch our pennies. It's the only way to have positive EBITDA and not burn up your P&L. So right now we don't get rewarded for, you know, spending excess capital. So if you're thinking about setting up a sales office in, you know, 15 different regions, well, there's half a million per sales office. That, that's what it takes. So that's what a distributor model does is it creates a sales force. It takes that expense away from you. And what you're giving up is some margin, which makes a lot of sense for where we are today. So if you put all that together, you know, we feel very bullish about the distributor network we're building. And it's an area that I want to keep focusing on with my team to grow, to get into every region we can, and to have those distributors create, you know, success with their customers. But we're also a direct sales model for our customers. And um, yeah, but that's already built in expense, right? You've already got that yeah. built in. That's right. So that's, um, you know, the bullishness for us comes from the fact that we see the core business accelerating this year. We see BioCloud launching and um, we know the conversations we're having. And now we got to deliver, right? Now, quarter over quarter, we got to deliver. That's how we're going to be measured. And, and that's how we're going to generate the next leg of value uh, in our structure. So I'm going to run you through some math that I did. Okay. And I want to stress for them at home, this is our math. This is a Gorkon math. This is not a project, but it did get 12,000 views and like I said, climbing. Okay. But again, I think most people missed that on December 23rd, right? We don't miss things because that's what we do. But here's a math I did. 30 distributors times 250 units per year. And by the way, for everyone at home, you know, Paul, just to repeat Paul's point, Georgecom is not going to become a distributor on a whim, right? I've got a core business. I distribute something. I right. can't, you know, I've got my own business. I can't afford to waste my time with a product that I don't think I'm going to be right. able to sell right. on a whim. So I've got to assume the people you're talking to are very serious and, and, right. they, and they're very confident they're going to be able to move units, right? So 30 distributors, and that's just in this quarter, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm so assuming that, there'll be that's more. That's what we call an internal target to get to a certain number of distributors where we feel that that volume is sufficient for us in a network. I mean, it, it could grow bigger over time. Over, yeah, over time, but, I would expect it probably right. would. But 30 you know, 30 distributors times 250 is 7,500 units. Multiply that by $12,000 is $90,000 in annual just top line revenue, assuming $12,000 per unit. Uh, 90 million, I think. Nine, sorry, 90 million. I'm sorry. I heard the dog barking <laughs> distracted for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 90 million. Um, but even if we reduce that to $9,000 a unit, mm -hmm. right? It's still $67.5 million in revenue. Hell, if you cut it in half, which I don't think it would happen, it's $45 million in revenue for the year. Yeah. Uh, is my math 
is are my assumptions incorrect? And yeah. again, I want to make sure no, you're not you're not making predictions, you're not no. making projections, but. Is it reasonable for people at home to do that kind of back of the napkin math and, and think? Yeah, about so look, I, I think if you take the premise that to be a distributor controls requesting that you have a certain number of units that you sell a year, you know, the number we came up with was a reasonable approach of 250 based on, you know, certain amount of sales per month. And, and are you going to make a commitment to that kind of opportunity? And if you multiply that, you get that number. So now a distributor would likely pay in the 9,000 to 9,500 range, depending on their volume, because they've got to market up retail. So I think- and By the way, I didn't know that number. Right. I want to make sure everyone at home knows. When I said, let's reduce that, let's assume $9,000, yeah. I just worked off my experience in business, which is a distributor has to get a price yeah, order to make a margin. Typically a distributor is like 25%. Yeah, okay, that's typically what I figured. Distributors, super distributors can do better. But so let's say that's the case. Um, you get a sense of the revenue that, that we could generate. And again, no forecast, but it gives you a sense of the ecosystem, the foundation, the network we're building, right? And that, to me, a, a distributor offers, offers great value in the sense that, okay, there's less margin for control, but look at all the spend that we don't have to make. So we really like the model. We think it's ideal for BioCloud. And uh, by the way, those are, uh, we price in US dollars when we talk those numbers. Uh, so That's right. That's here. right. For Forgot about that. So you can add about, yeah, 28% on top of that, given where the Canadian dollar is today. Right. So I think, you know, that that really is our goal of creating a network. What revenues derive from that? We're going to report every quarter and the market's going to give us, you know, a yay or nay on our success. Right. So I think the way I think about our company is um, we've got 39 million shares, basic, outstanding, great structure, tight structure. You know, how much of that is priced into our structure? I don't know. Um, but I think if we execute, you know, we're going to deliver long-term value. Paul, you also want to talk about various investor inquiries you'd, inquiries you'd received by email and text yeah. and so on and so forth. Have we covered all of them here or there's still a couple more that you want to, you want to cover and discuss? Yeah. So look, for, first, let me say, I appreciate shareholders reaching out. Um, if you're reaching out every day, it's unlikely that I'm going to get back to you. So, <laughs> so let me deal with some questions. One is on share price. And of course, no CEO should talk about their share price other than it is what it is. Um, and the share price takes care of itself over time if you're executing. And if I look at where we started last year, where we ended, we had an amazing year, right? And why? Because we're innovating, we're creating value. And so how are we going to progress this year is we're going to create value and the share price takes care of itself. And so my opinion, other CEOs may be different, is uh, the share pr price over time reflects the value that you're building. In the short term, you know, you can have volatility and that's life in the public markets. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially in the small cap markets. We're not right. Apple at the end of the day. So you could right. get volatility. Uh, cannabis becomes hot. People want to sell something. Right. That's just how, but long-term, right. different right. story. Yeah. Uh, the second question is sales, right? And we've been very clear. We're not making any forecasts or predictions. Uh, building the distribution network is an example of building the infrastructure. You know, we're going to have the requirements for the distributors, how those distributors execute. We're going to report on a quarterly basis uh, as we report our revenue. And so, you know, unless we have um, one kind of major, you know, material to mater material sales, We'll announce those. It could also be a material customer, you know, like a, a branded customer with global recognition. I think that would have to be announced. But otherwise, it's going to be in the quarter. You know, it's part of our overall revenue that we're growing. So that was the other one. Um, I get a lot of questions on M&A activity. 
And uh, so we did a really good deal last year, very accretive, you know, four times EBITDA roughly. Um, there's a couple deals we didn't do. And so this year, what I'm finding is valuations are in our favor. They're a little better. Uh, there's a couple really nice acquisitions I'm looking at right now that I could pull the trigger on maybe. Just depends if I get my price and my synergies. But uh, what's happened in the M&A market is, you know, COVID's created a little bit of uncertainty, which creates a little bit better value. And I'm excited about the potential of, you know, could we do a couple of deals this year to really accelerate and grow the core business? You know, because at the end of the day, the core business is about getting into more buildings. We do that organically and through acquisition. And I think there's one more here. Um, oh, the uplist. So we're working hard on our uplisting. Uh, it is a goal of mine to get that done. Uh, we don't control the timing or the pace. What we say about those is we'll, you know, we'll announce news when we have it. We did add a new board of director. Uh, we announced that an independent director. Why did we do that? Well, we're expanding our board, but we want four independent directors. We do have the US NASDAQ in our purview and to get on the NASDAQ, you need a in fully independent board. So we've removed one from management. Uh, we'll remove another from management in the future to get to our five independents. So, you know, I like to lay really good foundations for business. I like to have a steady structure here where you're growing and, and you're doing it properly. And uh, we're going quickly, but we're not rushing, right? And that's the way we build the business. So again, I'm happy with all the questions. I just can't answer them every day. So I want to take this opportunity to answer those that come up like routinely on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, and I like what you say there because what's the famous saying? Slow is smooth, right. but smooth is fast. Right. You right. go too fast, you end up running over stuff, and then you have to right. go back and clean it up. Right. And that's a you, know, you want to be the tortoise at the end of the day, not the hare. Well, we want we want a strong foundation for the future because our future is long and bright, and uh, we're not cutting corners. You know, we're building a proper business. We want this to be a much bigger business in the future. And all that takes strong foundation and doing things right. And, uh, you know, that's how we run the business. If, if folks don't like that, that's our style, right? Uh, I do, you know, get some complaints about that, but it is what it is. That's how we build. Uh, and I don't think they're complaining about the business, Paul, yeah. to be honest with you. I don't think they're complaining about the business. I think they're complaining about, and that's, we're talking about the one in, you know, the the 3%, by the way, because yeah. you have great shareholders. We see the sentiment, they're really supportive. Great. But the three yep. percent, I don't think they're complaining about the business. I think they're just complaining about the share price. They've got yeah. these numbers in their head, right. and they want a ten dollars share price or whatever they have in their head. Right? We're not talking about share price here. Right. I want to be clear right. about that. Yeah. But got the, but they got this number, and they're blaming you for that number not right. being there right now, right? And that's just not the way the world works. But guys, always remember something. Think about all great tech companies that have been built. Uh, we're just going to use some names that we're not going to compare control to Tesla, but think no. about where Tesla was five years ago, yeah. you know, six years ago at a, a $50 share price. Right. And look yeah. where it is today. Like all great tech companies have to build their business the proper way, but yeah, you know, sure. control, you guys are, you guys are, you've got the core business, which is fantastic, which keeps the business nice and buoyant and viable. So you don't have to worry. Uh, and then you've got BioCloud that just complete blue sky upside. So as long as you're someone who's realistic about why you make an investment, uh, you know, you shouldn't be impatient. Look, I, I'm sure Paul is the largest shareholder of the company would love it if all the massive sales and distributions were taking place right now today and big sales tomorrow and the stock price went to $25. Who wouldn't, right? But that's just not the way the world works. But 
from a business yeah, point of view, that, you guys uh, are laying down a great foundation. I would say we're a Q over Q, you know, kind of build the business, uh, sh show us the value. Um, we had an amazing year last year, you know, uh, kind of a big return uh, for, for control shareholders. I'm super bullish on this year uh, and continuing that. And I think, you know, one thing I'm super proud of and I'll, I'll keep saying is we've kept our structure intact. We have a very tight sound structure and it's gonna pay dividends for all shareholders at a certain point in time, you know, at a day-to-day -day basis, you can't really manage that. But if you've got a great structure and you're growing your business, that all comes out uh, in the end. And we feel very, you know, very proud of that structure. And we're going to continue to build into it, grow the business, you know, uplist, become much larger. And that's the goal. I mean, that, that's every CEO's goal is to create shareholder value and grow the business. And, and uh, 2021 is going to be a good year for us. Yeah. And that should be the goal of every shareholder. And I think I speak on behalf of 98% of investors out there who are incredibly happy with the progress you've made, the foundation you've laid. I mean, you know, patents filed, manufacturing in place, federal funding, half a million dollars, distribution in place. I mean, you've just been knocking off the check marks one by one by one by one as it could not have been any faster. If it could have been, I might be criticizing you and say, yeah, well, look, <laughs> it's September of 2021 yeah, yeah. and you still don't have a real distribution network. You got, you know, you got George Com and three other guys. Right. Why are you taking so long? But, you know, this is January the 7th, 2021. You've knocked off every one of those. So right. I, on behalf of, I think, 90% of shareholders, really happy with how the business is being built. You're giving us something fantastic to look forward to. Nothing's guaranteed. Right. We want to make sure we're saying that. But, right. you know, on the balance of probabilities, you can't be happier with how a small cap company has set itself up for success. Now, just like all growth companies, it just comes down to execution. Right. But given what you've done so far, there's reason to be optimistic about that. So how can anyone be unhappy at the end of the day? Agreed. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you agreed because if you disagreed, that would really left me in a, in a really tight spot there. But uh, Paul, thanks for joining us, man. I know how busy you are. I know you get calls every single day. By the way, everyone at home will announce something, but uh, based on what Paul said earlier, getting a lot of email, a lot of text, a lot of inquiries, they can't keep up with them anymore on a one-to-one -one basis. We don't want investors to think that Paul and the gang are ignoring you guys, but they got to run a business. So uh, they're going to activate their verified form here in the next few days on Agoracom. We're going to start driving investors onto Agoracom where it's verified. So you know that's Antonio, the IR guy. Paul himself will be there every once in a while, answering questions, providing some context. And most importantly, one to many, which means Paul can go in, read some comments, and then provide you know broad-based answers saying, hey, here are the three or four things I want to address. Everyone sees the questions. Everyone sees the answer. And most importantly, Paul gets back to run the business because that's what we really want him to do. So make sure you get to Agoracom. Uh, if you haven't registered to post, register. It's free. There are no obligations. If you don't want to post and just read, well, just walk right in there and read, but keep your eye on it. And I think that's, I'm going to say one last thing. When a company makes itself that accessible, uh, then you have to infer an incredible amount of confidence from that. So make sure you look out for that. Paul, thanks for joining us, buddy. Really. All right, thanks. Take care. See ya. Everyone at home, you've been watching, or if you've been listening by podcast to Paul Gezi, CEO of Control Energy. Trades on the CSC under KNR in the US, KNR LF, and in Europe under 1K8. It's up to you to do your due diligence if you're a new shareholder. If you've been around for a while, you've done it. Thanks for being here. But for new shareholders, new potential shareholders, two things to do get to Agoracom, get to the KNR hub, 
read the profile section to really understand the company in layman's terms as to what it does. It, that's really, really important. Watch the videos we've done with Paul since the summer. Fantastic informative videos or, or listen to them while you're walking and then get over the Control Energy website as well. Uh, do your due diligence. Don't say we didn't tell you so. Have a great day. See you next time.